You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Hey, hey, everybody. How you doing? Real good. David Hall. Back from ball games. All right. Donnie Spiker. Hey, guys. How you doing? Really good. Greg Hectus. I'll be in and out. All right. And Steve Thompson. Hey, guys. Good to see you all. And uh, everybody, welcome to the iRisers Lounge. Come take a seat. On the show this week, we'll look at the upcoming championship Coke race at Homestead, and iRacing crosses a huge milestone. Then, like a certain real-world driver, we'll race to our rigs with a look at an all-in-one ready-to-race simulator from Sim Coaches, and we'll look at the new 4090 GPUs put to the test. And you guys can follow along with us on your mobile device or PC in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all these great topics we'll be talking about by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. So let's see you there. Sim Coaches offers the realistic sim racing equipment you need to win more races online. It is designed for real racers. Hydraulic construction makes them feel just like the real thing. High-quality construction, 100% leak-proof, and lifetime warranty are the key features with these pedals, and they look absolutely amazing. Check out SimCoaches.com and use the coupon code iRacersLounge to get 10% off your purchase. SimCoaches.com is your ticket to feel like you're actually sitting behind the wheel of a car. Drive harder and stay on the limit longer. Actually, before we jump right into the topics, uh, I was listening to the uh, show last week. Uh, I think uh, actually at, at work, I was catching up on it, even though I don't get to listen through it the whole way when I'm editing because I pushed to get it out. And yeah, y'all brought up a couple of subjects that I definitely wanted to chime in and you guys wanted me to chime in. Uh, we'll start with the headlights, I suppose. Right. Um, in, IMSA, in actual IMSA, there are regulations about how many times you can flash somebody. And it's generally, for the most part, supposed to be an alert to lower class or lower speed classes that a higher higher class is approaching and about to make a move all right so if you if and i'm guilty of this but if you get behind somebody and just start spamming and spamming and spamming it because you're mad at them um that is against imsa rules now that being said i don't know if it's in the handbook or not specifically and in in iRacing is established that they don't follow all the rules the real guys do because you can pass below the double yellow line at Talladega, even though it's against the rules in every NASCAR race. So it's kind of a split. You know, it is it is kind of unsportsmanlike, but so is going below the line at Talladega. Good point. Well said. And, it, and then the uh, pro- what was the other one? Yeah, the protest system. Um, it would be nice It would be if it would be more transparent and more consistent. Uh, so I'll go ahead and come up with the, the, the one. I don't know if I ever spoke about this one directly. Probably a – was it – it was at, not at the end of last United season, but the, the season before that, um, I got suspended for from official racing for a week for pulling over to pee. 
<laughs> okay. What? Seriously, you know, you can in a long, large tracks, you can pull over and if you can get and then you can get your spot back. Right. Under yellow. So you're saying like if you're at Homestead this week, if you needed to take a quick pee under a yellow, you could stop on the front stretch down low, go do your business and come back and resume your spot. Right. Yeah. So, OK, fair enough. There's nothing in the sporting code about about doing that. All right. I appealed it and I said, hey, look, there's, there was nothing indicating we can't do this. It's been a part of the game mechanic. People do it all the time for years. I won't do it again, but it shouldn't be a, a, a week suspension. Their reply to the e- email says we have been suspending everybody that does this without warning. How did they know you did it? Somebody sent it in. Obviously, Somebody it was a protest. protested him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they they their appeals board says nobody gets a warning. This is an automatic suspension. A week later, somebody else does the same thing. I send it in. I get the canned email. That guy is racing all week. So the appeal either the appeals board is full of shit, or one part of the or or one part of the uh, the i racing protest group doesn't know what they're doing compared to the other hand right hand not knowing what the left hand is doing because if the appeals board says there's no such thing as a warning on this but then somebody just gets a warning what's it's it's just you know it's just utter inconsistency it's it follows right in line with how well nascar has been ruling things lately now you have enough material for a youtube video here david just like dan suzuki and uh and dave camp yeah you know it's just fine you know that should have been it should have been a warning it should have been hey we don't want people doing this you know but it is what it is just gotta, just gotta pee in your fire suit like they do in real life dave that's all there is to it pretty much you know just um i've got a box of depends sitting over you know i think no. i'm trying to get the sponsorship lined up from them so <laughs> now if you didn't admit to it right. though, you you probably don't get caught right i did not admit to it they just, they just yeah. saw you pull off. Now, right? and I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, somebody did it last night in the NIS race and I hadn't seen it in yet, but I guess I guarantee you, he'll just get a warning. And he actually was so late catching up to the field that he spun out right in front of the field. And I was wrecked the field under caution. I sent in a story uh, this week. I guess I didn't make it. I was looking down here for uh, I racing for a racing catheter that you can Ooh. get. It's pretty good. I looked it up cause I had an issue this week too. Well, you know, I'm not really streaming anymore, but I, I tell you what, if I can get a sponsorship from Depends, I might just stream a race in Depends. How do y'all feel about that? Do you like that visual? Uh, it has to just be Depends, though. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Are you going to get a crotch cam so we can see it or what? <laughs> no, no, no. Let's keep the cam on the sim coach's pedals. All right. Well, enough of that goofiness. And um, I'll uh, let me go ahead and caveat. I still love iRacing. I just don't like the protest system. Okay, so was I critical of it? Sure, but that's because I'm an iRacing fan. If I, if I don't like iRacing anymore, I won't pay the subscription. It's just that simple, but I still do. Um, so let's go ahead and jump into the topics, though. Five billionth lap iRacing hit this, and literally like right about when I got home, I noticed the, the post was about 15 minutes old yesterday on Facebook. Wow, that's something. Five billion with a B. I'm going to be naive here for a moment, but when did we hit 4 billion? That seemed with, was that within the last two years? Oh yeah, definitely within two years, probably, probably about 12, 12 to 15 months, something like that would be my guess. I'm not sure, but 
if you plotted it on a curve, you, you got to think it's an exponentially add. It exponentially is going to go up because the more people we have, the more laps are run. And so uh, that makes sense that, you know, when is it going to be six billion? You know, it's probably going to be even sooner than it was four billion. Yeah, except that there was a huge jump in COVID and some of that bubble has popped, but they're still growing. iRacing uh, posted on Facebook the top leaders in uh, laps run, uh, 5 billion laps, top three drivers from each discipline. And uh, it's pretty interesting because the top oval drivers, is you probably have all raced with him at one time or another, was Joe Marks with 1,154,677 laps. He's a lead, all-time Whoa. leader. That's, that's is wild. That for, is for ovals? Yeah, that was just right. for ovals. So we've got to go. Ray Barcombe second and Max Harris, the late Max Harris. Uh, third. That means we got to go look that all, all up. How do we look this up? Where do we go? It's on uh, Facebook. Uh, it's on iRacing. You can look up iRacing well, on Facebook. Okay. On the script, guys, on the Instagram post, if you hit the little arrows to the right or left, you'll see all the different stats. Well, I'm trying to look for our stats. And so the most dirt oval was Dave Sousa with 494,000. Now think about that. Dirt oval, how long has that been around? Not, not a long time, you know, and, and to, you know, to have that many laps, that's crazy. Yeah, and the races aren't a whole lot of laps. I know the tracks are smaller in general, but, but it's not like you're turning 100-lap races. There are only 20, 25 laps, most of them. Right. They're 30-minute races or so, right? practice yeah. does practice laps count or is it just official sessions well these say laps so i now, don't this know is laps now did you say that was over racing the guy had a million laps or just overall top oval drivers okay because the the number one lap person if you go to driver stats is is only at half a million it's matt coker well so they might must, be including other this laps. must be practice and other stuff besides uh actual race laps Possibly. Yes. Yeah, some Possibly. data they can collect on their end, probably. Now, does that does that include hosted and everything? Right, I would imagine it includes hosted races. So another stat they threw up: completing five billion laps took eight thousand two hundred fifty-two years of cumulative track time. And they have two hundred years. Yeah, and they have a, a nice post that shows they're basically halfway to Voyager One. Right, so they're half. We've driven halfway out of the solar system now. Yeah, because that that translates to seven point nine billion miles of racing. Yeah, and on their next slide, so it does break it down. Forty-five and a half percent official racing. It goes to qualifying, time trials, hosted in leagues, and practice sessions. Uh, so it does. I uh, guess what data we're listening or reading here is just total laps turned in whatever. Uh, capacity and i think when we look up the driver stats it's just going to give us official rankings i believe yeah top or, oval track uh, charlotte or there's this it includes stats for active drivers only that might be what's happening as well because um, i'm showing matt coker at um like five and a half well five five hundred and fifty thousand laps basically i have like a hundred and fifty thousand wow and so you know, something else that uh, iRacing did is they started a little contest after the post. They said, 
Thank you to our incredible iRacing community for helping us reach this huge milestone. Tell us about your favorite lap using the hashtag 5 billion laps, and we'll select five random drivers to receive 100 iRacing credits each. That's so, almost pretty like cool. our question. That's almost like our question favorite iRacing moment, right? I, this is a hard one. I mean, to nail down a particular lap. Um, now we we took a spin off of this on Twitter. Um, the iRacers Lounge handle put up. Uh, congrats to the community. Hey, what track did you run your first laps at? And I thought that was an interesting discussion. Can you remember yours? I didn't, but I looked it up actually. And I replied to the Twitter and basically I told them this. It was the MX5 Mazda Cup at Lime Rock. I started sixth, I finished sixth, but I had 29 incidents. Nothing's Pro changed. Probably off track, right? <laughs> <laughs> now, here's the question. Did you practice before you ran, even back then? I don't think so. I think I jumped right into races right from the beginning. I don't think I practiced squat. Mine was the Legends at the, at the uh, Legends Charlotte Oval. Now, back then, I remember when you got into a race, it was like a half hour before you would jump in, it would be a practice. And then 15 minutes before it would turn into a qualifying and then it would eventually turn into a race or something like that. But I would wait to the last minute and jump in. Mine was uh, the legends at South Austin. That was like part of the rotation of the, of the legends tracks back then when, uh, when you first started in oval. There's only three tracks that would run the whole season, basically, right? The Charlotte Roval, South Boston, yeah. and um, is it the Triangle-type track? I don't remember what the third one was. Is it Stafford? Concord? Concord. Might, might be, yeah. Yeah, mine was Street Stocks at uh, USA. Yeah, mine were Street Stocks at uh, Charlotte. Yeah, I liked learning. I, I miss the legends because I, I, the Street Stocks don't – make the guys run the short tracks as much they put the street stocks out on charlotte and you're basically plate racing already as as a rookie and i, I don't think you should be they should be running short tracks yeah i ran my first legends race a couple weeks ago and actually had a blast got the pole i got i mean i didn't have a blast i got taken out in turn one lap one but uh other than that it's the first time i ever sat in that car and it was a lot of fun well, I think we've just about covered the uh, five billionth lap. Congratulations to iRacing. Here's to six billion, right? We'll move on and to a horribly mistitled article that you guys were all talking about as a cheat, and it's not. Uh, Sean Cole from Shimpit, he posted this video, and I watched it, and I was like, oh, yeah, I did this. And I, and I didn't do it as, as I was thinking of an exploit. Basically, I mostly have run sports cars, where, and I have the clutch configured on on my formula wheel to basically do a, kind of this, the standing start double clutch so all of my sports cars and and even when i'm in formula cars and indy cars i just always run off the off the hand clutch and i had never even thought about putting it back to the foot clutch and running in the major series they they had us run the lotus 49 and you had to clutch to get it to shift it wouldn't it wouldn't slam shift like like any of the modern sports cars or any cars would do and i just kind of figured out real quick that i could just pull the clutch and the shift in the same hand and, and boom. And it, it works out for pretty good timing. And it's kind of funny if you spend a lot of laps running in the 49 and then you go back to a car, you don't have to clutch. You have to kind of untrain yourself to do that again. Yeah. So 
Sean Cole's video basically details exactly what you're talking about, where he does this kind of rolling of his fingers every time he shifts, where the, his lower fingers hit the clutch just a moment before he hits the, the shifter with the, his uh, upper fingers. And so he kind of rolls his fingers every time he shifts across these two paddles on the back of his uh, wheel. And, and, uh, and it works for him because it blips the, the, the clutch just before he hits the shifter. And so he's basically saying, hey, it's a cheat if you can, you know, if you have a wheel like this and you can shift in this manner, uh, you, what you do is turn off all the shifting aids to none and, and you just do it where you're rolling your hand or, you know, across the paddles like that. Yeah, and the reason this is kind of important is auto clutch is the enemy of speed. The AI just does not clutch as fast or efficiently as as humans do, uh, whether it's by design or it just happens to be that way. Going all the way back to the MX-5, I remember when I decided to start really f- trying the uh, roadside again, and I was in the MX-5, there's like they, I remember people telling me just randomly in the lobby, you need to turn all the aids off except for anti-stall and – and even and go to the five speed sequential or is it six speed? I don't remember. And um, you'll be faster that way. And so, do you do your best if you are at all physically able to run with with clutching, whether it's by foot or hand. Is this what some F one guys get accused of sometimes? Because you'll see some other drivers from other teams try to sneak sneak a peek at behind their wheel. Is that what they're looking for? I'll be honest. The formula wheels are completely foreign to me. I have no idea what the heck's going on there. Well, I mean, if on a modern F1 or Indy car, the clutch is in the hand for, for the real cars. So, uh, like, they have a, they actually have this, they have both pedals work on, on in sync. And what you do is if you pull on my wheel, if you pull both pedals back and then release one of them, it moves the clutch to where you, wherever you set the bite point. And I, I have, you have to set it for a different percentage depending on the car. And then it's sitting right, then you're holding one clutch down and it's sitting right on the bike point and you can launch. And that's what the real guys do. I'm going to have to try this method because when I rode, ride my F2000 car, I'm in blip. I have blip on. Now I've tried it with blip off, like with none, but the driver is the problem then. I just don't, I, I don't know where the shift points are exactly. And, and I'm actually slower than I am with the blip on. So I think I'm going to try this method that Sean Cole has described here and uh, switch it back off and just see how it works. Yeah, it'll definitely help. All right. Well, Steve, what is the have, have you ever topic we got coming up here? Yeah, Philip McCandice gained seven spots on the final turn to win the Yankee 600 in a wild finish. So they posted on a Twitter, have you ever? And I.B. Butler gets spun on the white flag by Aschelis. Aschelis? Aschelis. Yeah, (laughs) that's what you said. That's right. (laughs) Sending the field in in disarray through three and four through fire and flames. At Ultra Racing, Phil comes out of the smoke to win the Yankee 600 presented by at BKCFF. I watched this um, in the 80. It looks like the 87 cars, and it's a pretty wild video. And the pass happens, the actual last pass happens because in all the chaos, two cars are almost there, and they get into each other, and, he, and the pass is within like 200, 300 feet. Well, 
essentially that green and orange car kind of ruin it for everybody. He goes up and hits the leader, then chaos ensues behind. Looks like that winner wins by what, a bumper at the line? I was well, 100 feet or so. That's my problem with this. I mean, the guy drove it in there no, trying to wreck the leader. I mean, you could tell he overdrove the corner. He was, it was a last, you know, lap. He was trying to wreck the guy to win. And, and he got to him and he hit him. And the, sure enough, they all wreck. And I just found it kind of distasteless that they even post it. I mean, you know, it is a charity race for Brad Keselowski's, you know, foundation, but still. I got to kind of agree with you, Mike. Uh, if I was the leader, that, that was a, that was a, that was a terrible move to try to make the pass. The guy going into turn three was four, five car lengths behind him and just send it without any regards for trying to make the corner. All he was just trying to do is wipe the guy out if, if he was in the way. And, uh, you know, I didn't particularly think it was a, it was a very good, I mean, it was, it was interesting to see all these cars flying around and see, um, see this uh, guy McCandless come from nowhere to, to win the thing. It was kind of interesting. Interesting, but the the catalyst for this wreck was, a, was a, just a terrible move. I mean, just awful. I would have been so angry if I was the leader of that race and got taken out in a manner like that. It just would have just would have run me totally raw. Yeah, that guy is Sean Butler. I've raced with him in the past, and he's well known. Uh, he was a gentleman to say the least on Twitter after the fact because a lot of people were calling uh, this out as dirty racing. Um, but he he did not like throw the other guy under the bus, and he was a class act and and whatnot. Uh, regardless, uh, he said it was still a good event and and anything they can do to help the charity, I guess. That commentary was pretty wild. Maybe that's what the uh, headline means. Have you ever question mark question mark question mark wreck somebody? Wreck the hell out of somebody. <laughs> yeah. Wreck the dog food out of somebody. Yeah, and and not even get the win out of it. Just just wreck yourself in the process. That should that should be a one week suspension right there. Well, have you ever actually been able to use a cone to take another driver out? What do you think, Donnie? Not yet, but it looks like we can. So I guess we can start mapping all our buttons to launch some cones. Uh, Max, Mister Excitement, Molina shows how to collect and fire off a traffic cone. Now, watching this video, it looks perfectly intentional like he goes to collect the cone with the front wing of his um formula car here and then he ejects it right to the right of himself into the car in front of him to the front to the right of him um do we know at all if this is actually what happened it looks well, like that cone ought to be red instead of green because that was a heat seeker yeah and the, the tweet the tweet just says it's not top ten worthy. Worthy. I don't. I don't know if it was intentional or not. Um, I was uh, in a practice where I actually got it. Was able to drag one around. I think at Vegas, and was able to run like ten laps with, and it just got stuck in the car completely. And it was funny because it would never regenerate. So the blue cone was completely missing for for that whole time. Well, this cone, he shoots it and then gets it back. And then the car just hits the wall and falls behind him. So either this is some incredible timing on glitching or uh, they found a way to do something fun. It's net, I think it's net code. I think they, <laughs> I think they, the cone they thought was part of the car. <laughs> well, you run 5 billion laps and you have a high chance of something weird happening. It's crazy. Like 
the cone is on the left wheel, the left front wheel kind of stuck in there behind the wing. But when it leaves the car, as he's going around the other car, it just kind of, you know, invisibly goes through the cone and the wheel and everything and shoots at that other car and hits it hard enough right in the center of the side, you know, uh, pod to knock it right into the wall and destroy it. It looked like something from Mario Kart where you're shooting those tur turtles at the other cars. <laughs> exactly. And then it comes right back to you. Neat video. Talking about neat videos, how about this next one? Brian, you got this one. Yeah, this uh, came um, from Twitter page from overtake.gg. Um, so this is a video of real-life um, driver uh, Jeff Chiasi. He's a Brazilian uh, Porsche GT3 driver, and, and uh, he was in the middle of a real-life GT3 race, and it was in Brazil, and uh, he finished up his race, hopped out of his car, and basically sprinted to the garage area where he had his rig set up so he could hop in it in, in order to make his uh, Porsche Super Cup Series contender race. So it was amazing. to the, the cameras were following him. You know, they're doing a little commentary as he's running to, to his sim rig. And they're like, you know, commentating. You know, he's, he's got his rig right here. He's ready to jump in to catch his race. He didn't want to miss it. Uh, it was really cool to see. Um, and it goes to show you how, how important it is to some of these guys to, to make sure they hit their starts in the in the in the um, sim sim rig you know, by uh, jumping out of your car, having your having your rig set up right there at the track, and uh, just go right to it. It was really neat to see. I wonder who pays them more, the real team or the the sim team. I wonder if the real owner's like, what, where's this guy running off to? Oh, to go play a video game. <laughs> Well, I got the impression at the beginning of the video that the race is still going on. Yet this guy has jumped out of the car and he's running to the sim. Maybe it's one of those races where they switch drivers in the same car, you know. But uh, pretty cool to see. It's actually really cool. I mean, he's like sweating. He's like, you know, taking out his his little earpieces and he, he, trying to get all the sweat off and his head sock. And he has to change out of his racing shoes real quick and... And he's already got the sim launched, like it's ready for him to get in, like a friend set it up for him. Yeah, Mike, I think you're right, because um, as he's running, you can hear the car still racing in the background. So I bet you it's a multi-driver deal where he just ended his uh, stint um, just in time to, uh, you know, it's like, guys, I got to finish my stint in 10 minutes and two laps because I got to hit my uh, race on the uh, iRacing real quick. That's actually has to run a decent amount uh, to get to the rig from where he parked the car. Or where he got out of the car, I should say. Yeah, and it's like he was sprinting. It's like he's in a hurry to get there. And, yeah, it's pretty cool, man. I love Brazilians and their passion for motorsports. I love it. Somebody mentioned it when we first started this this one, but it just it's just awesome to see he, he values that Porsche Cup uh, so much that he's willing to sprint across the paddock after getting out of a real car to go hop into a, to a sim rig on iRacing. It's awesome. Well, the next topic is right in the same uh, venue uh, or realm, basically. And it's even got his own tweet, Anthony Alfredo. It says, Sim to Reality. And it basically is showing a picture of the real-life uh, car riding the wall at Miami and the iRacing car riding it. And the only way you can really tell the difference is that there's no tire marks on the wall in the iRacing version. Yeah, I ran a B open race this morning and I can't I cannot do this. 
Um, even if I try, I'm sure if I practiced forever, I could maybe get it, but this always impresses me. I think the, out of the most, these oval guys is riding the wall, especially at this track and how close they can get to that, that cushion and create that cushion. Um, it's just super impressive, but the shot alone and how well it is, it's, it's spectacular. Yeah, you oh. can make it. You can make it work in one and two, really pretty easy. It's not very effective in three and four, at least in the in the A car. It hasn't been. I've been able to go up there when I needed to to make passes, but this is a something that just always seems to, to happen in most of the tracks. If, if when you're really running the high line, it really just burns the tires up more. So, what do you guys think? I mean, doing this really, really worked in the Gen Six car. Does it work in the new car, the next gen? We had a guy that was making it work, especially early on in the runs last night. Um, and he would just get insane runs. Not only would he get insane runs, he could drive in actually deeper. So you see him you see him drive in deeper. He, he kind of zipped past you if you were running the low line. Then you would catch him because you're running the low line. But then he would just launch off there because he's running he's actually staying at the higher speed in this particular case especially at miami because it's these long sweeping corners instead of your kind of trival type corners the drive-in is super impressive because i don't understand how they drive in so deep so high and not hit the damn wall they it's it's awesome to see um but i was bringing i was talking with mike today we were running the nis race and um I don't know what the damage is like if we have that progressive damage yet, but there, there was one particular car. I mean, he was several laps down, but he was just pounding the wall. Maybe every other lap, uh, he was a lapper and, um, not really slowing down for that much. I'm just curious, uh, how much you're allowed to hit. I get that the, the cars are a tank, the new, the new cup cars, but seems a little excessive. They're allowed to hit the wall. Well, if it looks like he's hitting it or if it looks like he's riding it, like if he's not lifting off the gas while he's hitting the wall, that is actually an exploit. I uh, know I had that in the dirt Bristol race a couple years ago in the trucks. No, this guy was just hit would hit the wall and bounce back off. And then next turn hit the wall, bounce back off. Yeah. Last night I got, I, I went in high one time, just a little too high and, and went all the way up to the wall and, and slapped it. Um, I think it was 12 seconds damage, but I did get off. I did get off the gas cause I was already off the gas trying not to hit the wall to begin with. Did you gain had... points? Um, I don't think so. I think it was a zero X. I remember right, in, oh, sorry, Steve. I, I remember in Gen 6 being able to rip the fence, as I call it, um, with the right set, where you could enter at full speed and just barely burp that, that throttle, and you're right back into it. I mean, that's how it was. And, and I can't do that in this car, at least this season. I, I don't know if it's a set or me or what, but I can't do it. Um, so I did see some people doing it in the races this week, but I can't. Yeah, I pretty much made all most of my passes in the where I'm at. Most of the guys are running the bottom, so I ran the top in one and two. That's where I made all my passes last night. It's nice yeah, if you I have mean, a set where you can go both directions instead of being stuck only running high or only running low, where you can kind of get around either way. Yeah, the set last night was, I mean, I could run anywhere on the track. It was really nice. So, Steve, I mean, we were talking about strategies of how to actually enter at the top and, and run that top line. I mean, what was working for you? I think I was dragging the brake and the throttle at the same time, at least until the car got turned. Um, I was lifting just just 
just before the actual turn, just a little bit, and then I'd drag the brake, and then about halfway through, the car would want to ride up even more toward the wall and then get in the throttle, almost like right, full on to get it to rotate and then stayed right next to the wall all the way off. I would lift way early, and, and, but only lift to 80% throttle and basically stay 80% throttled almost the whole corner. That's the thing, never get completely out of the gas. They never lower than 80%, right? Yeah, because that does change the, not only does it uh, keep your momentum up, but when you completely go off the gas, it completely changes the, the weight balance of the car. Did you guys shift the cup car at all? I didn't even think to ask that. Not here. Not here. I heard somebody ask that today. I turned the driver chat back on for the first time in forever, and uh, somebody was asking if we're shifting. Then I thought, oh, crap, should we be shifting? But I never did. There's even some places where some people like to shift where I just don't like to because it, it adds, I think sometimes just the process of shifting gives up the time that you might be saving. It'll be interesting to watch this Sunday, the real race, because I've heard on a couple shows that during testing here with the new car, that, that running the wall is not always the best, the fastest way to go around anymore. So um, it might, might, be a, might be a different race this year than we're used to. Yeah, yeah, they, have that. they didn't have rubber buildup during testing either. Not like they would have in a race. That's what. That's when they move up to the wall when all the rubber is built up. And I'm curious if they try how fragile those tow links are if they just bump the wall and anybody's going to take that risk. I, Donnie, I think I was telling you today in the race, you know, stay low to middle for the first 20 and then go up to the top after the tires are worn like 20 or more laps. Yeah. I'm, I'm with Steve though. I, I did, I ran the middle for the most part, but when you needed to get around somebody and, and like Dave was saying, the set was pretty good. You can go left. You want to go on inside on somebody you could, and if you needed to pass them on the outside, uh, you could do it as well. I wouldn't recommend just rim riding just to rim ride though. Cause it does burn up more of the tire. Yeah. hundred percent. It did that in the B car too. Running the top line, the whole race was a bad choice. All right, Mike, it's Coke preview time. Yeah, it sure is. We got a big, big race coming up, a live race in person for four of the championship uh, contenders. They're going to be at the NASCAR Hall of Fame next week uh, to race in person for the championship. Uh, we got a couple uh, preview videos from two of the drivers, uh, Stephen Wilson, uh, Graham Bolin. Uh, just a short video talking about what they think going into the race. Now, I put up in the chat, guys, I feel like Graham Bolin has a, an advantage going into this race uh, of the four because he also raced earlier in the year live at the Charlotte uh, eSports Arena thing they have. I forget the name of it. Charlotte GG, uh, whatever it is. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I just having that audience, the noise, the, the crowd, the atmosphere – uh, it's going to be shocking, I think, to the other three guys for the first time, perhaps. Isn't uh, Shane Wilson, isn't he the only one that's able to bring his rig to the other three? There's three guys that are having to use rigs they've never driven in before. And one guy, I think it might be Shane Wilson, that's bringing his own rig. Yeah, I haven't heard about who's bringing what rig. That's just wild, that's wild. that they would drive in another rig, in my opinion. I don't know. My personal yeah, opinion would be uncomfortable. I agree with you, Donnie. I don't think I would do it if I was racing in a, in a race of this magnitude to to go in with some, you know, 
unfamiliarity with the equipment, I don't think I would do that. Unless they're getting effectively the same equipment, except for maybe the 80-20. If they're getting the same set of pedals, the same wheel, the same, and it, then it might be doable. It probably cost 20000 to get your rig shipped, Brian. I don't know. I think it'd do it pretty easy. Just pop it on a trailer. And dry and oh, Yeah, put it on the U-Haul trailer. I can't get mine out of the house without taking it apart. Can you? I just think about the what a nightmare it would be just to try to pack it up to get it out of the house. Oh my god, I'd have to take it all apart. I think mine can well, luckily slip through, but but boy, that sucker's heavy. So moving it down the stairs. <laughs> yeah, luckily mine's in the basement, and I have a big walkout uh, exits. So and it's sitting on a platform. So all I had to do is like some casters under it. I could probably wheel it out without too much trouble. Dale Jr. will be there to present the trophy that he helped design uh, on his podcast this week. He detailed a little bit more that it's basically a replica of the old Winston Cup trophy. Um, Steve Myers tweeted that Tim Clark from NASCAR and NASCAR had a big hand in, in coming up with this trophy idea and whatnot. Um, so congratulations again to Dale Jr., you know, for being named, you know, as the honorary trophy guy or whatever you want to call it. But, uh, yeah, it's a beauty. That is a seriously badass trophy. I don't I, – I, was, I wasn't I was following race, racing back in the Winston series, and this is obviously, uh, you know, heavily influenced. Um, it was uh, – t- they were talking about it. I was like, man, I, I almost pulled over just so I could – take a peek at this trophy because they were um just kind of going over it so with so much uh like just gratitude they're so thankful they could get it done this way but um being able to see it that is a serious serious trophy now if you can imagine the old winston cup trophy in your mind and that big red plaque where it says winston well that's been replaced with a red plaque that says Dale Earnhardt Jr., you know, so that's it, it, you know, it really looks good. It really got that, that same look and feel as the old trophy, uh, brings back memories for me. Yeah, it's crazy. I remember that transition from the Winston Cup trophy to, I believe it was Nextel, the first iteration. And uh, I was 20 at the time, 2021. And, uh, I just remember thinking, what the heck are we doing? This was such a classic looking trophy. And then we went, um, went to what they went to 20 years ago Some gold wavy thing uh, even though that uh was it the monster one that was really nice or the current one i i like the current one with all the tracks but back on this um i was in the video they talk about it and um dale's um co-host is surprised on the amount that the winner gets uh for winning the coke series and i'm just i just find it odd that somebody so close to dale is still so surprised with iRacing most of the time I don't. Yeah. I think the only time they talk about it is on the show. I don't think they go ahead and ha- they have so many other things to cover when they're preparing for the show that that's probably the only time they actually get to have a conversation about it. Um, it's 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 pretty wild. Now y- you like it because it's the classic look because it's the look that when when all this stuff was kind of new to you. I actually talk about that in 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 with my students all the time about how every generation is kind of stuck on their own 
music of their youth and say nobody else is as good as that stuff and the, the the truth is music has been the same for and being recycled really for hundreds if not thousands of years they were they were borrowing stuff from the greeks when when they were you know the roman gods were basically stolen from the greeks right um the recycling of culture is always happening um and so the same thing happens with the trophy you, Oh. The, stuff, the stuff that was there when you were younger is is always going to have a more nostalgic feeling to you because that was what was around when when you were young and it was all new. He has Mike Davis stand up next to it so you can see how big it is. Okay, and uh, and and that's a thing with old racing trophies. I mean, the bigger the better. You know, I've been to a uh, in Scottsdale, Arizona. Roger Penske has a dealership, but he has a museum as well in the middle of the dealership. And in that museum, you can see some amazing Indy 500 winning cars and, and whatnot. Uh, Rusty Wallace's, you know, Bristol winning car. But also the Bristol trophy is is one of the biggest trophies I've ever seen. It might be the biggest, uh, but he's got one on a pedestal there that's six foot tall or something. It's the craziest thing a big cup uh but but it's amazing just because of the size of it yeah the sizes of all the racing trophies are pretty cool the um mark martin has his museum in baseball and i've I've been there a few times and it's pretty neat as well he's got a lot of trophies in there and, and a lot of the older cars that he ran you know a lot of the formula one race trophies are pretty darn disappointing some are cool but uh some are just like ah not that impressive Best trophy in racing, though, is the, is the grandfather clock. Dover, Dover, Delaware. That's the Martin's giant lobster of New Hampshire. <laughs> <laughs> wow. We I hear you eating, Brian. We know you want lobster. I didn't expect the disagreement <laughs> on this one. I would say, more, well, you, where do you put three or four grandfather clocks? The grandfather clock is pretty cool. Well, you give the other ones away when you win multiples. Or, or you put it in your summer house down in the Keys, right? Yeah, right. If, if you're winning that many races, you've probably got a couple of houses. <laughs> the Dover Trophy is pretty cool, though. All right. As the season's winding down, we have one remaining special event coming up. It is the uh, 2022 Crandon Championship. It's in the Pro Fours, right? Um, it looks like it's going to be going on from October 9th through the 21st. There's going to be two time slots at one GMT and 1500 GMT. Um, and then also another one on, the, uh, one GMT on the 22nd. So there's actually three total time slots, uh, 22nd and 23rd. So there's going to be super sessions that are going to take the top 20 and overall points from the race week. All right. And the super session time slots are Saturday, October 22nd at 1500 Zulu and Sunday, October 23rd at 100. And I remember you guys talking about this last time and asking, well, how would they would determine which one is the winner? And, and it's probably going to be just like when you choose your four time slots in, in Le Mans, right? You've got, a, you've got four top split winners. There's not really any way to compare them because they're fighting different fields. Two winners. Yeah. That's almost over, so you can still get in tonight and uh, participate this weekend. I'll take a winter iRacing NASCAR series. Uh, it has been announced again. I think this is the second year. Um, anyway, it's the 87 cars, and they're going to run five times slots a week in IS style. 
Wednesday, 4 p.m. Eastern, Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, Saturday, 5 a.m. Eastern, Saturday, 12 p.m. Eastern, and Sunday, 9 p.m. Eastern. Now that's fixed. They're also running open, and those are going to be Wednesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern. That'll be a nice replacement for the regular NIS race. Uh, Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern, Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, and Sunday, 10 a.m. Eastern. Do you guys plan on running this? Yeah, I probably will, uh, either Wednesday or Friday night. Well, you do, okay, so the open? Yeah, well, the problem with that is you got to figure out a set, <laughs> but I like the time slot in the day. Other than running our uh, invite wins, winter series, I tend to just play around in the sports cars and take a, take a break from open from the open set racing on the oval side. And so this is a 13-week season. They have some of the le legacy tracks in here, like the Legacy Daytona, Legacy Phoenix. Um, they have um, Watkins Glen Classic, right? Is that without the bus stop? It's without the bus stop, and I don't. I think it actually has the boot, or it may. There may be a classic without the boot as well. But yeah, yeah those, those are the classic lineups. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's the bus stop, no bus stop, and no um, boot, which yeah, would they, be crazy. That that getting into that carousel is going to be crazy with those 87 cars. Yeah, that's a steep turn. The uh, Euro Sprint Series runs the classic boot a lot, where there's no no. Uh, bus stop so you go into the carousel at almost 300 kilometers an hour sorry it's it, when i run that car i'm in metric and it, it's pretty fast and but it's not as sharp of a uh carousel when you run the boot yeah i think if i recall last time i couldn't do it because of the set problem so hopefully i can figure out sets and uh that are decent because you don't want to be in these open you'll get slaughtered if you don't have a good set I'll run the open, Mike. I, I, well, I'll have an option for us that I'll throw into our, our team files. And um, if they're not good, they're not good. Just use them if they are. So it's effectively going to be running the same time slots as NIS runs, right? That's right. Yeah. Not, not, well, yeah, I guess you're right. Because the Monday is actually Sunday night or GMT. I'm looking at the fixed slots. And as a West Coaster, um, as a, person who works till monday through friday gets home at four has a you know family obligations eats dinner i'm i find a hard uh time slot to find a fixed uh race in uh being on the west coast seems pretty good sunday night for me yeah, just, just forget the fixed races and run run a opens yeah <laughs> i think that's why i only run open is because i can't do a fixed time slot I really like the 87 car, so I'm going to try to get in on this. We'll see. You know, the 87s actually might be one of those things that I might run fixed because if I just don't want to hassle with with doing the setups. Most of the time, the only time I like fixed is when you're in a series that's constantly changing cars or something and just doing a bunch of crazy uh, combinations, and that's when fixed setups are nice. And shorter races. There's a new set of pedals entering the market and they look promising. Simcoaches is finally releasing a set of load cell pedals. They've taken their years of knowledge building pedals and created a set of load cell pedals at an affordable cost. 
No longer worry about not being able to feel the car under your feet or wondering where the limit is. Have confidence as you enter corners and know the car is going to stick. There's no higher quality pedals on the market. They're even offering their lifetime warranty with the pedals. Take the leap and upgrade to SimCoaches today. Go to SimCoaches.com to pre-order your set of load cell pedals and say big when you do. Use promo code iRacersLounge. You won't regret it. podcast housekeeping leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find us mention the podcast to your fellow drivers during the race so they don't miss out we do appreciate it check us out on discord and our new website at iRacersLounge.com. don't forget we're in regular rotation at the performance motorsports network and the sim racing channel on roku tv all right, since you kind of ninjaed in on us, welcome back to the show, Tony. Uh, you want to pick up the fantasy report? Yeah, thanks, guys. It has been a while. And, uh, well, I figured I had to come back this week, uh, just sneak in for a little bit, because I actually got a top five, and I don't know if that's even happened this season. It has been an absolute shit show on my part. Um, we got a couple of Tafosi guys representing at Las Vegas, um, Tyler Williamson, he, he claimed second place and oh, I thought there was, yeah, yeah. I, I uh, Tony uh, Rochette, he got seventh place and, uh, so three, three Tafosi guys in the top 10 for Las Vegas. I mean, it doesn't help us in the overall picture. Um, looks like Greg's doing a good job sitting, uh, just outside of the top 10 for the overall and in uh in 11th place um so would you say it's safe to say with a running joke that we have in in uh in the chat all the time it, are, that you're no longer the fantasy king well that depends see um I, i'm i'm leading the another fantasy one that i'm in but it's it's we don't get to pick every week like this one here but um so i'm in actually in the running for some money over there but no i can relink uh relinquish the uh the fantasy you know uh quote unquote king title this year because i certainly don't deserve it greg was 28th i was 30th donnie 32nd steve Allen 34th bobby jonas 35th yeah i missed picks two weeks in a row mailed it in uh looking forward to february i guess i didn't even miss pick i actually don't, don't you still have somebody don't you still have kurt on your team I think Mike's no, going to have Kurt on his team that. next year. You haven't run out of picks Don't for him Kurt yet? Bush. He's picking up Bubba next week to add them to the roster. <laughs> Speaking of Bubba, do y'all want to y'all want to put y'all's two cents on that, or y'all just kind of let the let the other shows cover that guy? I thought he should have been suspended two weeks. You know, I, I didn't get to really talk about Byron. I thought Byron should have been suspended too. Um, but I, I do want to caution uh, – hypocrisy on 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 both in the the fines and suspensions on both case if they're going to suspend these guys i don't want to see any footage from the incident in any promotional video it's a good point yeah no, that I, is a good point, the media is eating it up no that's a great point um i wish they could just draw a line and actually come out and say it and say no more right right hooking no more you know 
and just say it no more. That's what you're going to get suspended for. I mean, what Byron did to Hamlin, ah, I mean, it was still quick. It was at speed a little bit, but any right, right hooking guy is at speed is, I don't know. It's probably the most dangerous thing you can do. Yeah. In both cases though, they messed with playoff drivers and, 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 you know, yeah, one is more dangerous, but in both cases, I agree with Bobby. Wrecking is wrecking, if if, if whether it's Martinsville or Pocono. I, I, I don't know how they can just give him one one weekend off when a uh, crew chief gets four weeks off for a loose tire. I, I still don't get that, especially him walking across the track, you know, pushing the the NASCAR official not going to the ambulance, all those things. I mean, I think they should have nailed him to the wall. If you get, exactly. You to, That's why it's two weeks. If you go to the football, your, your right tackle is going to get punished more for certain activities than your quarterback. All right. The star is always is allowed to get away with more. It's, that's the, that's the world of sports. I was going to go to the same star. spot, Steve. The driver is the star. The drivers drive the sport. Plus, it was a bad look when he's pushing little Larson around. Yeah, and he's not fighting back or nothing. Yeah, that was not a good look. Part of me little thought, Larson. Part of me thought Larson maybe, I don't want to say concussed or nothing, but part of me thought maybe he was a little shaken up in the incident because he had no reaction whatsoever when he was getting pushed around. And I thought, uh, and I was curious, like, what happens if he would have taken that helmet and just cracked him across the face with it what happens to larson at that point do we have criminal charges now nothing good larson's obviously got some pretty good self-control because that's what he probably should have done i'm sure any one of us would have done the same thing but he didn't do that and you know good on him because he's you know he's gonna look coming out like uh just just shining out of that deal whereas you know but was gonna it's gonna he's not gonna live this one down for a really long time something i also thought watching bubba walk to the scene and he's in front of the grandstands part of me is like oh they're gonna have a fight here it's gonna be this big thing it's gonna be a super popular kind of like 1979 and then when nothing happens on the other part and it just makes bubba look like a complete buffoon then i thought oh this looks this looks terrible but i in my mind i thought is something crazy gonna happen right now even though it did well that's equally as big of a safety issue because they made a rule that you're not supposed to leave the car Right, because of what happened with Tony Stewart. And he didn't follow that. But again, with NASCAR officiating, they let somebody else get away with it. So now do they come down on him for it or not? Some some show brought up um, Kurt Busch as being maybe um, a steward going forward. And I don't know if we have any drivers at all or any former prominent um, uh, team members that are that are officials. But it it is so wild how so inconsistent a uh, a officiating body can be i've i've lost a little faith in them this year i i've i'm i'm a huge you know nascar fan and i for the first time i have never bought into almost any of the black helicopter thing conspiracies but this this doesn't look kind of black helicopter this looks just just ba- I don't, lacking better word incompetent it's not that much of a mystery guys it's one it's down to one guy david hoots yeah, it's very true. When David Hoots was there, everything worked great. When he wasn't, it's gone to shit, and that's that's the truth. It just seems Tony, like something I, every week. Yeah, Tony, I think you're onto something. But wow, Larson really had some self control because I put myself in his shoes, and if Bubba Wallace is getting in my face and pushing me backwards, 
like I like like somebody said, he's going to get a helmet in his in his face. He's going to he you know I'm going to throw a punch. I'm going to do something. I'm not going to you know whimper off like little Larson did. That's why I thought maybe Larson was like not all there at the moment. Like he was like a little shocked at what was happening. I think Larson's I afraid know. of his own wife. So I don't know. I think I think Larson at that point's in a, in a no win position. You know, I don't think he's got really good options at that point. Nothing nothing's going to come out looking good on his end if he if he engages or not. He made the right move. That's right, which was a non move. Is it, and this has always been something I found interesting about NASCAR and, and competitive motorsports. What other sport is it where you can purposely destroy somebody's property of tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, just, just on a whim, just because you got upset? I mean, you just – you purposely destroyed his car. I mean – you know, if, if, you, right if you did either. that on the, if you did on the road, you know, if you did that on the road, you'd be getting arrested. You know, it's it's and your insurance, you get your insurance canceled and all kinds of fun stuff. Take, take but, a chainsaw. NASCAR's perfectly fine. Uh, yeah. Who cares? Take, He's, take a chainsaw to the goalpost if you don't like a referee call. It's hey, that attitude. Right. Um, Just, we got to let the boys have at it. I've never, I don't know. That's always sat weird with me. I mean, I guess we can do some bump and runs, have some fun with it, but. I don't know. Intentionally right hooking people—it's—it's—it's it's, it's crazy. Well, they wanted to get—they wanted to just try to get out of where they had to make judgment calls. But then Carl Edwards started hooking Brian Brad Keselowski every chance he could get, at, to the point where it was becoming really dangerous. Yeah, that's I took, the, I took this incident akin to was when Bubba Wallace was in the iRacing Invitational, and he got dumped or something, and he just. Jumped out of the car and said, rage quit. And yeah. walked away, rage quit. This is rage quitting. He gets shoved to the wall. He's You're pissed right. off. He rage quits by dumping Larson. And he not only dumps him, but destroys his car, too. And his car was still good. And Christopher yeah, Josh Berry. Josh Berry's car won the race after a, a similar contact the, the day before. You know, that wasn't the end of the race for him. He just lost control. Josh Berry's Dude awesome. Wins. Dude wins one race and, you know, thinks he's Martin Truex and just expects everybody to get out of his way now. Idle idea, rage quit. Part of part of the problem where uh, where Bubba got in trouble was the big topic over the past month has been safety. Oh, these cars are hurting drivers. People are getting getting uh, hurt, you know, in ways that they, they wouldn't normally have gotten hurt in the other cars. And. And to have somebody basically wreck somebody at, at 185 miles an hour, you can't just sweep that under the rug when when you're trying to portray your sport as being safe to the drivers and you're trying to you're trying to get past this part of your your sport. You don't want, you don't want it to be known as a, as as um, people are getting hurt on a regular basis out there. Were you guys surprised uh, Dale Jr. Um, thought he wouldn't get suspended? Well, they were kind of basing that on what happened with Byron in a way, right? Maybe. Yeah, this is unprecedented, as Freddie Kraft said, um, for them to do this. Well, no, they suspended uh, Kyle Busch when he interfered with, with the truck playoff race. And Kenseth. So it's not completely unprecedented. Unprecedented, it's just That's not true. consistent. Sometimes they're like boys have at it, sometimes they're not. Well, let's not forget, Tony, uh, we still got to go over the overall leaders, right? We haven't done that yet. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, so we got uh, Louder Racing still in first place, and uh, he's been there. He's been there a bit. Um, oh, baby, forty-four. Uh, Scotty Boy, Ray J, and last year's champion Res Dog rounds out the top five. Now, are we talking about overall or playoff? Oh no, this... I'm thinking it's just overall. Yeah, that's overall. Oh, I see. Never even thought to look up the just the playoff standings. Yeah, so there is a playoff league standings, and it's a little bit different lineup. You got I Race and Mason leading there. Louder Racing, Scotty Boy in third. I'm not a professional, fourth. Oh, baby, 44, fifth. You're not doing so well in the playoff standings, guys. How far, <laughs> how far out of the top 10 are we? Uh, the first uh, team member I see is uh, Tyler in 16th. Ouch. <laughs> but anyway, I wanted to peek at it, but we talked about, I think, at the beginning of the year that we would stick to the overall. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. Hardware software brought to you by Supreme 3D Printing. Are you looking for that next sim rig upgrade? Or maybe your man cave needs a little more style? Or is your wife wanting to redecorate your home? Well, we here at Supreme 3D Printing have you covered. We create and print tons of different and useful items that is sure to fit everyone's style and budget. If you don't see what you're needing, then feel free to contact us for your needed item. Check us out at Etsy Supreme 3D Printing. I want to do this like the announcers would do, but my voice has been completely fried all of marching season. So I'm just going to ask, are you ready to rumble? Um, and it's uh, Sim 3D that's offering a pedal rumble model kit. Um, Donnie, was this the one you were talking to me about in chat a couple of weeks ago or so? Um, oh, Steve's. Yeah, I may have asked him. you, yeah. I've actually, uh, I've got a little review that I did on them. I ordered these uh, and got them uh, last week. I installed them. They're from uh, CD, Sim 3D. They're pedal rumble kit, motor kits. Um, and uh, when you order them, you can select any type pedal you have. They, they fit over 28 different pedal types. And they custom print the actual motor mounts for each type of the 28 sets of pedals that they make um you can get the you oh they come with uh pedal rumble motors mounts for the throttle brake and the clutch if you've got a clutch it includes uh one sim 3d rumble four channel control box that has the uh, sound card in it um, a braided connector cable that goes between the box and the motors a USB cable, and if you're in the United States or North America, um, you have to own, you have to order your own power adapter. Um, you just, when you go to order, you can tell them that you're, it, there's a checkbox that you're in North America. It's about ten dollars on Amazon. Um, it, they tell you what type to get also. Um, and send installation was simple. I've got the HPP JBV pedals. I did have to get use longer bolts uh, to mount them. On the uh, HPP pedals, you remove the pedal plates and then slip the motor mounts over the pedal arms and then reattach the pedal plates. The rumble mounts have existing holes that match up to the pedal plates. Um, once I had the Sim 3D rumble motor kit installed, I followed the YouTube video to install them into Sim Hub. Um, the installation went flawless. I tested, I tested them. 
they work great. I used uh, wheel slip on the throttle and then brake lock on the brake and shifting on the clutch. The feedback was amazing, better than all the four butt kicker LFEs I have, the four butt kicker mini LFEs, the two butt kicker gamers, and the four Dayton Ohio putt mini bucks that I have mounted on my AccuForce G5 seat. The uh, Sim 3D pedal rumble kit also works with SRS, which is Sim Racing Studio, which I use for my SFX 100 motion rig. And uh, I also use their um, motion compensation for my head VR headset um, with that. So you, have, you do have to purchase a license for $24.99 to use them on the SRS software. They, there's a special plug-in that they made for uh, the C Sim 3D pedals. Um, installation through Sim Racing Studio is flawless. You just want to make sure that you turn off uh, the 3D motors in uh, Sim Hub under the Shake It motors before you configure it for Sim Racing Studio. I found the CD, the Sim 3D pedal rumble kit worked better in Sim Racing Studio for some reason. The data seems better the feedback is better in sim racers hub than it is on sim hub especially for the um, for the wheel slip for some reason i don't know the data curves seem better um, a lot of times on on oval tracks in on with my rig i'll get way too much vibration even going down the front stretch, um, I've got a switch that I can turn down, but I can still kind of feel it. And for some reason with their, with the uh, SRS software, it's actually better. I, I do have a switch hooked up to it too, and I could adjust it. But last night it, it felt really, really good on Homestead. Um, so the pros on it, uh, I think it's the best feedback of any vibration I've used. It's easy to install. Um, great communication with the owner of Sim3D, Calvin Dent, through through his uh, Discord channel. And uh, it had really high-quality parts, and the fit was flawless. The only con I had was a delivery time. I ordered them back in May, but as we all know, everything is still hard to get, and Calvin the owner was always up front with the expected time delivery. So anyways, I highly recommend them. Um, you can go to www.sim-3d.co.uk to order those. And then you can go to uh, simracingstudio.com uh, for that software. And of course, simhub-.com if you want to use simhub. So Steve, the feeling that is going into the throttle is specifically what what are you grabbing from the audio or or what feeling do you get i'm i'm getting a wheel slip so as i get into the okay. throttle especially last night you know on a slick track i mean you could really regulate the the throttle pedal and feel when it was going to start slipping and break loose um you know, i've worked a lot with sim hub on my uh with all my vibration and and i just i don't get that that same that same type of feel through my rig that I did through my feet. I mean, it was it was pretty amazing. I really nice, and and the wheel lock works really good too. As you're coming into the pits, you know, you come in fast, and you can really feel the wheel lock come through the brake pedal. And these like literally bolt onto the back of the brakes. And I noticed on the website, they literally have a list of almost every brake manufacturer out there. 
including even my old brakes that are no longer for sale. Um, and uh, you just tell them which one you want, and they send you the right kind of stuff to mount it, right? Yeah, the only thing I had to get myself was uh, just some longer bolts to go through the plates. Um, I noticed on a lot of them, they actually mounted, um, you know, through through the side of the or the back of the pedal. Where mine, the uh, the 3D mounted uh, uh, went over the top of the pedal, and then the pedal plate sat on the front of it. Another question. Now you you're the king of base shakers. <laughs> as I call it. And and you've done a lot with bass shakers and, and butt kickers. If you're somebody like Donnie who doesn't have any kind of, of vibration, would you recommend this over uh, his first butt kicker? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would definitely go this route. And they're, they're quite a bit cheaper, too. I think they're, they're you know, they were 120 right. bucks or something shipped. Yeah, I can't, I can't do the base shakers where I'm at. I'm on, on the second floor of my house and right next door is my bedroom where my wife would be at night. Um, so when I saw these, I, I was at this sim coach's shop a couple weeks ago and I asked Lawrence about them and he ran on to the other side of the shop, came back and he already had a set of these attached to some of his pedals. Um, and he was working on, he didn't like the, the wire that comes down. So he's working on a way that he can make it look nicer in a way, but he's going to buy a bunch. So for sim coach users of these, um, of this platform, the Sim 3D, this Rumble Kit, and he's going to sell, and he's already worked out with, I guess, uh, the Sim 3D folks over in the UK that he'll sell them on this side uh, for the Sim Coach guy, so they don't have the lag time of, of shipping and whatnot. Well, this is a nice little add-on for not a lot of money. You know, like you said, it's cheaper than a simple butt kicker, um, and probably gives a lot of, of value. Like David is always talking about that wheel uh, spin you know, that wheel squeaking noise. Yeah, I have, uh, I just use the iRacing controls instead of Sim Hub or whatever. And uh, I have the engine turned down as about as low as I can get it and the wheel slip turned all the way up. And uh, it's pretty easy for me to tell through through my seat when the rear end is going to let go. Yeah, I, ju I just found it was, uh, you know, everything that I've, that I've done and practiced with and experimented with, they... Uh, you know, especially on a on an eighty twenty rig, um, you know, I've played with mounting mounting the the butt kickers everywhere because I could never really get a really good feel to them until I I ended up isolating them all with rubber and stuff from the rest of the rig, and that that works pretty good. But for some reason, when it's coming directly through your feet, it's you know, it I think the uh, it gives you more awareness. At least that's what I found. Well, I'm just thinking, you know, you have the bottom of your foot, usually not in a shoe. Most people are wearing socks. You're making direct contact with that pedal plate, and that that shaker thing or vibrator thing is right on the back of the pedal plate. So it's like literally almost making a direct connection with you. Plus, it was as, as you started to get more wheel slip, you were getting more vibration. So you could start getting into the throttle, and you could feel it starting to vibrate. And if you kept going, it was getting stronger, and you could feel the back of the car, you know, starting to get squirrely on you. So it was definitely, you know, dead on to what I was feeling. All right. I got this one on my list. Well, I don't have this next one on my list because I'm already covered on VR, but there's a, uh, a new Quest Pro VR headset that's been Meta has released the specs for it, and um, I don't know if 
I don't really remember the uh, specs from comparing one to another, but it's one of those things where it, that just kind of irks me about going this route for, especially for sim racing battery life, one to two hours. And I've, I've even heard that you can't even keep the thing up when it's plugged in. It will, it will still die. It can't draw enough power. Correct. Yeah. It doesn't draw power. The link to a, if you link it to a CPU, it will not charge it. So yeah. So whether you're plugged into a computer or running it uh, without any cables at all, you will not be able to charge it while you're playing with it. I had an ad come up last night for it's fifteen hundred dollars for this unit. Yeah, it's just it's not a good option for sim racers, I don't think. Period. Well, that's why we're mentioning it. So don't be a fool and buy this thing. Yeah, no, for fifteen hundred dollars, they they need to do better. What's the typical battery life for you guys? Um, I don't run on batteries. Well, we don't we don't <laughs> use batteries. That's the whole point. <laughs> you only need batteries for the standalone units like the Quest that can be that can be used without any wires attached to it at all. It's really nice if you play like um play the games that are on uh, Oculus or Quest's uh, website, and you can you know you can play for an hour or two. Uh, you know one of those games. You don't have to worry about wires getting in your way or anything like that. But um, yeah, once you once you connect this to a computer, it kind of loses that the the biggest selling point in my opinion for this is that it's you know it can be run without any wires and and, and you know you still have to worry about the battery life and all that stuff so uh, the res resolution is 1800 by 1920 which is 3.5 megapixels per eye which is not you know which is not super high i think it's higher than the original quest the quest 2 but it's not it's not as high as any of the HPs or any of the high-end uh, headsets for uh, computers. And it only maxes out at a 90, 90 hertz uh, refresh rate, which is, you know, again, which is okay, but it's not, it's not anything that a $1,500 headset would have. Um, the only other thing that I see that it has is the pancake lenses, which is are a little bigger than the Fresnel that um, a lot of, a lot of the headsets use and the old, Quest 2 also uses, which which does have a little bit clearer picture. But um, again, I mean that's I don't I, I don't see the value for this for what they're asking for it in, in hardly any way. Well, the, here's, uh, here's the big thing about this. Sorry, Steve. The battery life one to two hours. Uh, you, even even if you don't sim race. Um, <laughs> if you're spending fifteen hundred dollars on this thing, I'm thinking you're going to want a little bit more than one or two hours. Yeah. So my son has the Quest Two, and um, you actually can get a, a separate head strap that has a a, a a backup battery in it, which which does increase the the uh, life of the battery. Uh, um, you know, almost doubles it really. But I mean, you know, that's another hundred dollars, or you know, or hundred fifty bucks. Who knows how much it'll be on this headset? So that's extra money you got to put in to get that extra time, and it's not like a battery you can just swap out. You know, it's built into the device. You can't just swap it out and put a new battery in. And once it's dead, it's dead. Yeah, I think the resolution is exactly the same as what I looked on the uh, Quest on the Quest Two. So yeah, so it's just the lenses that are different. We got Ryzen versus Intel. PC Guide compares the offerings in a uh, recent article on their website. And I was just perusing this, and, you know, one of the big questions, you know, which one's going to be faster, the Ryzen 7000 or the Intel Core 13th Gen? 
And they're saying that the Intel is going to be faster at the 6 gigahertz, while the Ryzen line is, is slated to be around 5.7 gigahertz. So is Intel still the chip you have, you know, for iRacing? I think it's still based on, uh, you know, single core performance, but I think it also depends on the uh, the architecture of the chip. I forgot what that what they called it. it is like IP something that actually is is what they kind of conduct their speed tests on as far as for single single CPUs. It's not just on gigahertz. So I think the Ryzen chip might be a little faster in that respect. iRacing is not stuck on single core anymore like like it used to be. They have they have ported a lot of the the stuff that's separable into different cores. I think the sound actually runs in a different core. Um, there's there's quite a few things that they've been able to move to other other uh, cores. So it's it's not stuck on just a single core. That being said, I don't it still may be a big factor on having that fastest process when you're when you're dealing with so much geometry, right? But it's it's not just a single core process like it used to be. Yeah, it's the the actual engine that runs, you know, on the single core, the other ones. So when you when you're actually overclocking your CPU, you can see there you'll have cores that are running faster than other cores. So you can actually direct iRacing to run, you know, on that core for the main engine, the EXE, and then it can use the other cores to run uh, the sound and the other, th the, I think there's two, it uses two other cores at this point. And uh, who's working on a build right now? I mean, man, it's expensive to build a computer and you're trying to buy all the latest stuff, man. We're going to see a computer a little later on that's not a part of the video, but it's in the video, and I got super excited. Uh, maybe next year? I'm not sure. All right, Tony, you are our do-it-yourself guy. Check out this Can You Build It Better? <laughs> yeah, yeah. This comes uh, from a, a Facebook group uh, by Kevin Dumphy. He says, uh, buddy came home yesterday to this creature his roommate had made for his Logitech G29. It took him five hours to build it. He's trying hard not to laugh, but he has to finish. He has 30 years experience as a carpenter. Uh, my buddy could not believe it when he arrived home to find his pedals, something or other. Uh, we don't have access to the rest of that. My first question here is, um, well, uh, I'm not sure what he was doing for, you know, the four and a half hours. Um, that it wouldn't take to build this, but uh, what are we looking at? Um, an ultra flimsy, <laughs> um, it almost looks like an ironing board, uh, just made some from some scrap wood held up by a couple of two by fours with a good old, like, uh, almost looks like a 1980s era lawn chair as your uh, seat. It looks like it's portable. And that's why it's got that top um, behind the wheel cut out. Looks like it folds down. And then uh, folds on top of the pedals, and he can just go hang it up somewhere potentially. Yeah, that's probably what took so long. He had to cut that hole out so he could collapse it. Now it kind of reminds me of the the one rig review we did where the guy used an A-frame ladder, just laying sideways on the ground, and uh, put the pedals in at the bottom and the wheel at the top. Uh, it it's got that same look, but it's wood. No flex. I think they stole this picture from Scales, and Tony built this for Scales. That's what I think. <laughs> no, I, I, I would, I don't know. 
most times I get like, oh yeah, this is cool, you know, the ingenuity and stuff like that. But um, I've just we've just seen so many better, like really bad builds. Um, this just sits very low on the on the list. But um, you know, hey, hey, if it, if it works, go racing. So this reminds me, back in the '90s, there was a, a video game for PlayStation called Medal of Honor. And me and my dad used to play that on multiplayer. This was before LAN, and I guess there might have been LAN, who knows. But I built this, because um, he sucked and I was really good, and if I saw him on the map, I can get him. But I built this um, plywood contraption where I'd put it at the middle of the break in the TV, and I sat underneath inside like the cubby, and then he played the top half of the screen. That way I couldn't see his. But every time I see this picture, we've had it for a couple weeks now, just never made it into the script. But every time I see it, it just takes me right back to 1997. All right, Mike, was it the track racer that you bought? Mm-hmm. Who, Tony who, got a track racer. Tony has a track racer. Is that Rochette or Gross? Tony Rochette. We okay. both have it. We both have the uh, GR80. Right. Well, you should oh, take this right. next one then. So what do we we got a track racer uh, talking about electronic hardware? Yeah, it looks like a track racer is uh, going to make the jump into affordable load cell sim racing pedals and other peripherals. Just yeah, another uh, company add to the list. Yeah, it looks like they're doing pedals, handbrake, and a shifter. Well, if that stuff you know works out anything like their their rigs, it's you know affordable is nice, um, but it's going to be half decent quality. Um, like I, I know that Tony and I have both. Um, well, I bought my rig because of what he said about his. And, um, the only difference between our rigs is I have a different seat only because, um, the seat that normally comes with this just wasn't available at the time, but it's super solid. Um, like my, my rig don't move and it's like one of the smaller ones that they offer. Um, I I've been extremely happy with this. So when they do come out with their, um, not necessarily, uh, the pedals, but, uh, shifters, I'm going to be looking at their shifters cause I, I do need one. Hmm. They got a great reputation uh, for sim rigs. I mean, the their flagship is a, the T160, I believe it's called. Um, but they have good stuff, and 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 you certainly want to consider them. And it's neat that they're going to expand into you know other hardware. All right, I got this one. A story about our wheel. Cube Controls posted a letter to the community about the launch of their new CSX3 Formula wheel. And it was kind of a neat read, um, blog style, about uh, some of the challenges with getting this wheel put together. Uh, Specifically, the little uh, display that they picked to put in the wheel, uh, they had uh, problems with the manufacturer or the the supplier of that. Um, That supplier was actually purchased by a competitor, and so they had to figure out a different display uh, manufacturer, you know, in the middle of the design. And so it's just interesting if you're in, into SIM hardware to, to read some of this stuff and see what happens kind of behind the scenes. They talk about they even interrupted production on their wheels uh, because of the problem with the displays. I'm sorry, Mike. Um, I'm sorry. Anyway, uh, yeah, Cube Controls, uh, it's a good wheel. We've seen the, all the reviews last week. Um, it's a beautiful wheel. It just looks like mine, but it's got that display. 
I just remember, what were you worried about? The What were you hearing about the display? Are they having problems with the display staying on or anything? No, it was just a problem of getting them. Um, they literally couldn't get them anymore because, uh, you know, somebody bought somebody and they had to figure out a, another solution. Do any of you guys run any wheels with displays in them? Well, almost all of, well, no, because particularly for three of us, uh, we run VR, so it's kind of pointless. Yeah, I don't think anybody on our team has one. All right, we got a cup, a series of th videos from Boosted Media, right? And uh, it's all covering the 4090. He got got an RTX 4090 in and got to try it out. Um, I only had time to catch the first video, and I really should have watched the third one because it dealt with VR. But he dropped it in there and and saw some huge improvements right off the bat in a set of Corsa with everything maxed out. He saw he saw some he basically was able to run with about 50 FPS and and then cranked it back a little bit from that point. He compared the size of it to a 3090 and it, it is gargantuan. And the PC that he has with it plugged into is like a, it's obscene. It's just like a tall like double tall tower, right? That's what I mentioned He's got earlier. Two computers in one little box, basically. He's it's got just, a streaming computer. Yeah. It just looks, I don't know. I thought it looked awesome. I don't know. I've only been in this computer game for two years now, and I haven't seen anything. I don't really seek it out, but I don't know. I thought it was cool. Maybe something to, to think about in the future, I guess. So the second video is Dan Suzuki, and he tried it on uh, all the different sim titles, and basically, you know, FPS is up quite a bit. And he was, I think he was saying 50 to 60% overall. Um, and then Will Ford in the third video, he tried it on all the best uh, VR goggles out there, like the Pimax 9K or whatever it is. Um, and, he, and he, you know, experimented with, you know, trying to get the frame per second at a point where, you know, he doesn't notice it somewhere around 80 frames a second. And, and to keep it stable. And and he pretty much could get there uh, with these advanced goggles, but not quite. And he was saying, well, if you have a 3090 Ti and you have these goggles, is it worth it to upgrade? And he said, probably not. You probably want to wait for the 4090 Ti because just it needs just a little bit more to be able to turn on all the bells and whistles and still have a good frame rate. Yeah, he yeah, said it, um, in iRacing is probably the least value. Um, that's what I just got my 4090 card last week. I installed it, but I saw a huge increase over my 3080, and it's about it's exact same size, so it fit right in. But um, I'm sure if you got 3090, you're you're good to go. Um, but I was able to turn a bunch of my stuff back, you know, way up. So I'm definitely holding 90 frames a second on. Uh, what I've raced so far. I can run almost yeah, everything, but heat haze stuff like heat haze um, with my 3090 Ti. And that's also that's in, in the reverb G2. And I also drop overlays in there and don't suffer any hit from that. And uh, by the way, he did these tests with the, the uh, FFV turned off too. So he wasn't getting the, uh, the frame rate boost by having the fixed fulvulating um, turned on. So, um, that's another consideration. It was interesting with my 3080. I could never, I never really got much advantage with the FOV, but when I, uh, or FFE, whatever it's called, but with the 4090, 
when I turned it on, I had probably a 30% increase in, in power, which was pretty impressive. I don't know what why the difference between the 4090 and the 3080 card. Hey, Steve, did you have to do any, did you have to upgrade your um, power source for that? No, I had a, uh, I've got 1200 watt uh, Corsair, so I was good to go. I just, it came with, I tried to get the Corsair. The Corsair makes an adapter that goes from the one plug to uh, splits twice, but it came with a splitter that splits four times that I had to plug in. So that, you know, I don't know. It must be pulling 300 watts from each one or something. I'm not sure. What's the bottleneck, Steve? If it's not the card, um, I think it's I think it's still CPU CPU bound in ways. Um, I've got the 59 5900X um, chip in mine, and I've got it overclocked. It's it's running about just under five five gigahertz on uh, all 12 um cores but i i'm assuming that's where the the issue still is and it could it could be the drivers and it could just be iRacing because iRacing you know only uses what is it uh eight eight gigabytes of memory and somebody was talking in one of the forums that they thought you know if they boosted it up that that would hugely Im, Im, hugely increase the performance so you're talking about the memory sliders and the settings yeah correct all I'm right. happy. I'm happy Go with ahead. it, though. You know, over the performance of the 3080. So, sorry about that. Right. The timing. The timing always causes us to step on each other a little bit because of that delay. So, uh, we will move on. Though the uh, Moza wheel has uh, been reviewed in the garage as we continue to talk reviews. Uh, this one was with Barry in the uh, sim racing garage, and I was able to skip to the the final part, and he was really impressed with it. Uh, it hasn't. It, I think if there was one negative that you could pick, it was that the display options are not customizable. You're just stuck with what it comes with. I was kind of, uh, you know, remember Carl Gosling did a video on this wheel, and he was very uh, negative about it, and he did, he brought out several different issues that he found, a poor craftsmanship and this and that. And interestingly, I, you know, Barry didn't find those same things. That, that Carl video, I remember us talking about it and it was almost like he, he hadn't, I don't know, like he was targeting Moza for a specific reason and he was kind of venting in that video. Uh, mm -hmm. But then sometimes Barry doesn't, um, even though I find him to be the best, doesn't put wheels in category sometimes. Like you're not gonna put this up with the wheel we're gonna look at later with the Gomez wheel, you're just not going to put them in the same category and call them both um, good wheels at the end of the day. They're just different. They're just different qual build qualities. They're at a different price point as well. But, but yeah, so sorry. How much but, is this wheel if we're talking class compared to the Gomez? I think this is four, 500. Okay. See, that's not terrible. Um, I'm, I'm still super happy with just my little Fanatec formula wheel that I, where I got the pedals, the advanced pedals to it. Uh, because it's actually more featured than almost any of these wheels that you that you've been showing as far as the clutch options because it's got three pedals paddles on each side instead of two and i don't need the display barry did say 
you know, that the buttons and encoders and everything were, you know, plastic feeling and kind of cheap. He was kind of disappointed with those. But other than that, oh, and he said the shifters were super loud, too. Clickety click, click, yeah. Yeah, they had some rubber base that you, little rubber thing you could take the uh, paddles off and put that behind. But he didn't test them with that to see if it quieted it down or not. Were these two-piece handles? Like, could you take the handles apart? Uh, the grips? Oh, no. the grips. Yeah, the grips. Yeah. Unsure. No, the grips were, so. uh, they were glued on. It's got a nice look of it, but uh, for, for the price, I think it might be a good value. And I think that's, you know, what Barry said overall, basically. But you can only use this with their base, right? You can't use this on any other base. Right. I don't think you can. And and that's part of the thing. I mean, guys, if you're going to buy a, a wheel like this, I think you need to buy something where you can move it from base to base because even though you spend a lot of money on your base, it doesn't mean you're going to have it forever. Look at me. You know, I bought the DD1 Fanatec, and I'm looking at changing. And boy, am I happy. I bought, a, you know, a non-Fanatec wheel that can be converted to whatever wheelbase I want. Yeah, it's six forty nine uh, European, including uh, that for the website. Well, we keep hitting uh, wheels, though. This is not a wheel. This is actually the base in the whole new system. We've talked about this for a while, but it looks like it's kind of finally out. And Sim Racing Corner has unboxed the Logitech Pro Racing Wheel. <laughs> this is a yeah. first impression. I mean, the boxing's yeah, just the video of him going through the unboxing. I mean, like you, you said, Mike, the box was, was kind of neat. Uh, did you watch the video all the way through? I did. I think it just reminds me of what I think about this wheel. I mean, the only thing that I like about it is the fact that it is a direct drive. But the the look of it, the angle of it, the way it angles at a almost a 45-degree angle, I, did, I don't know if I would want to buy this. It looks like it's specifically. It looks like it goes in either a go kart rig or it's just literally for PlayStation games only. You know, console games. It's really it weird. Like toy. Really weird too. Also, it uh, had wheel lock on it. Did you see that when he turned it? It locked side to side. You can't even turn it. Yeah, it doesn't like spin indefinitely. What you mean, right? Yeah. For eleven hundred bucks, not bad. Somebody somebody wrote it was the low end of the high end. It's a toy. That's it's what it looks like. I'm sure that's what it feels like. Um, but for like, yeah, five hundred dollars, six hundred dollars, too much. So would we make fun of a guy who bought one of these? Like, is there such a thing as sim equipment shame? I wouldn't make fun of nobody. To each their own. But I mean, if if you have the money to spend eleven hundred, just look a little harder. I just maybe, hope they don't buy it after listening to us. Maybe if you only have a desk to hook it to and you want to direct drive, maybe it's low enough power where it won't rip your desk apart. I mean, that's very true because I don't think it mounts very well to an actual chassis. So I think it's designed to mount to a, a desktop. So that's a good point there. Yeah, it's got the clamp that Fanatec uses on all their stuff to clamp it to a desk. Um, but it does it does have, I did notice in the video, it did have mounting holes if you want to mount it um, to something with uh, with hardware. But then you have that weird angle. I I can't get over that. Maybe it's made for uh, that other rig we saw a little bit ago with the lawn chair. There you go. After you buy this, that's all you got money for is just a an ironing board. 
Okay, Brian, um, we know this one's going into your rig next, right? Is your neck up to it? Yeah, this is uh, posted from Frexim on their, um, I think it's a Instagram page. It's a, a, a sim rig, which has a full six degree of freedom um, monocle uh, cockpit, uh, really nice cockpit, uh, six degrees. And it's got two degrees for your neck. So, uh, yeah, it's got that halo that goes around your head like a helmet, sort of, and uh, with the with the um, connection points, the wires that connect to uh, to devices that move your head or neck around as you're driving to simulate the G forces on your on your neck as you as you're going around the track. Um, so, yeah, um, these things scare the hell out of me, to be honest with you, because <laughs> I can just feel getting like a stinger in your neck if this thing pulls you the wrong way or if it goes a little out of whack you know i i don't i i just i'm just one kind of guy who doesn't like having my head twisted and, and turned around like that um but yeah so but it, it's a it's it's possible and frexus makes it if you're interested maybe if you really want the maximum immersion or maybe if you're actually trying to use it to train i i follow some racers who who post their exercise videos and you'll actually see them doing neck raises with with weights hanging from their head on a on a band yeah i understand that for football players and and race car drivers but just messing with my neck just uh, turns me off i i don't want anything attached to my head that's going to i'm sure it's not going to have enough force to snap my neck off but I don't know. It just makes me a little nervous. I'm pretty sure we. Pretty sure we've seen something very similar to this in one of the Saw movies. <laughs> the panic button's not going to do any good if you can no longer use your arms. I'm more impressed by not the head contraption, but the the whole movement, uh, the motion system below. I mean, it's it's got that general dynamics uh, look to it where where it's got, you know, these big shocks and it, it's kind of elevated seat up on these three different shocks that twisted, you know, six DOF. The other thing that throws me off on this is his seat and him are moving, but his surround, like the cockpit surround and the wheel, all that's stationary. And so I, that must feel odd if, if everything around you is not moving, but you are. Is that kind of like a G seat kind of? Steve? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, because it, well, not, well, yeah. The GC's yeah, not really be. moving. It's moving you. GC but. doesn't yeah, move. It's, it's just, just, it's pressure just pads. Put, yeah. yeah, it's just pressure pads. But watching this guy with this neck thing, I always think of my G belt. Sometimes when it turns on, it feels like it's going to strangle me. I'm afraid my wife's going to walk in here and find me dead from my belt. It's better than in the closet. Yeah, or tied to the, never mind. And, and and another thing is, you know, these drivers with they, they're using such strong head restraints and and head uh, neck devices. You don't they don't get a whole lot of neck movement anymore in these cars like they used to, um, just because of the Hans and and the you know the seats with the wraparounds and stuff like that. I don't I don't think they the head gets as much movement as it used to. I don't know. I could be wrong, but. You'll just have to put a Hans on before you strap your head into a halo with wires. But will you wear the fire suit?
All right, it's time for some NASCAR iRacing series results. And we went to Vegas, or some of y'all went to Vegas Friday. I'll kick it off with a report from Rochette that's really not his typical wordy response. Wrecked out. Steven uh, got a PGA BS. Not sure what that means. Is it Adam was wrecked out. Oh, I know what that means. I wrote that in there for him because he said, hey guys, I can't make the race tonight because I'm playing some PGA 23. Uh. <laughs> so he did. So that's why I wrote PGA BS. Donnie, how about you? Yeah, no, I uh, his, his miserable. I had a good car. Um, I was actually enjoying my race and I was passing the guy down the backstretch and I just went up in front of him. I and it was the worst nothing nothing worse than causing your own wreck and taking another guy out with you uh, it doesn't happen very often i uh, felt super bad about it i messaged the guy through the service um basically saying you know i apologize and it's on me but man, i was having a good race going and i just misjudged coming up in front of him or i honestly don't remember how it happened i just it's one of those unconscionable things that happened and yeah i'm pretty bummed out about it Tom Dryling was in your split. He was also wrecked out, but limped at home. Yeah, I remember driving through his wreck. He was up in front of me. And um, yeah, I don't know exactly what happened. I just saw him spinning. I believe it was on the front stretch. Now, me and Greg were in a split together. And poor Greg. Poor, poor Greg. It was horrible. I mean, he was leading laps. He was in control of the race. He was leading on the green-white checker, and he lost connection. You know, the whole throughput fell to an unacceptable level thing. Uh, horrible. I mean, right at the end of the race, I mean, he, he was going to win it. I mean, he was in position to win. Nobody was really challenging him. He didn't even lose connection in team speak at all. I mean, it's you know, so it's one of those things. and. You're like, you know, I still have internet, so how did I lose connection to the server, you know? Poor Greg. That's a tough one. That really sucks. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I made it into your guys' race there, Mike, and I was waiting for it to get going, and obviously he just disappeared, but I guess that'd be uh, our realm's, you know, broken transaxle or flat tire or, or blown motor, I guess, is when you're... Hardware you're failure. You know? Maybe you blew a tranny. Ooh. So I uh, ran that race with him and I started P24, but quickly worked my way forward. I stayed between third to 12th, basically all race. Uh, we pitted for fuel when others didn't to make sure I didn't caught out, get caught out like I did earlier in the week. Um, so like I was being ultra conservative on fuel every time, you know, I was just making sure to top off, you know, I, because I got burned on Wednesday real bad with fuel. And so it worked out good. Uh, I ended up taking podium P3. And so a uh, nice run for the week. I would recommend that you use JRT, though, to uh, make decide when you're in a window or not, because it, it doesn't do that much good to top off when you're outside the window if it costs you a lot of track position. Yeah, of course. But And, and I got burned on fuel again today by making a stupid decision I'll talk about later. All right, let's jump to Sunday Open. Steve Llewellyn. P1, baby, me and Tom Dryling should have been 1-2 in some way, but a bad caution caught him on pit road, put him a lap down and never got another yellow. He was leading before and during the stops too. 
So more heartbreak for Tom, but uh, Steve takes the win. Well done. And then Steve, uh, your worst finish, I think, in this series so far. Yeah, um, I started 25th, I didn't qualify, and it had a ton of cautions, nine cautions for 36 laps. And then um, I got all the way up to, to third, taking your advice about just trying right sides only, it worked. So I gained a bunch of positions and my car was super fast. And then uh, on the second to last caution, man, I, I, I was hoping it was gonna go green and I had to pee, I had to pee so bad. That's why I looked up those catheters, those racing catheters. And so I went, went, went to the restroom, came back and I was only a lap down. So I finished 19th. I was looking at those catheters just now and um, those tips look impressive. <laughs> yeah, and they're sized. They says size does matter. Oh, TMI. Let's just get Depends as our sponsor for the, the results section, and, and it'll be a lot less painful. You know, there have are people ever, who actually do do poker tournaments in Depends. Have you ever uh, sat in a dirty diaper? Do you remember? Uh, I can't remember when I was a baby, no. Yeah, go with the catheter. Pair them okay. with dude wipes, and you can smell the peppermint. <laughs> Sunday fixed. Uh, early in the race, I got taken three wide while I was on the outside. I got pushed to the wall, 10 minutes damage. I did finish the race to try to savage some IR. It was still P30, ouch. Tyler, P14 after starting 20th. Decent race, but the aggress aggressiveness going three wide was not pretty. Passing was difficult and you really had to lean on someone to pass. Race ending was interesting as the yellow came out as the leader got the white. Was hoping the race would have finished then on to Homestead. Now, I was watching Tyler at the end of his race and spotting. And I sent you guys the video in the chat. And this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. The, the leader, so I had it on slow motion. The leader takes the white like you can see the barney with the white flag waving it like crazy okay and he crosses the line and he drives another hundred yards past the line and then you see on the fence the the caution lights are green and then they switch to yellow he's a hundred yards past the white past the line and the yellow comes out I think it's because the yellow, whether or not the white was out, it depends on when the incident started, not when it decides to throw the yellow. If an incident has started before before he crosses the white flag, the logic, I guess, is deciding, okay, I got to throw the yellow. They got to tweak that a little bit. That was, it is too much. I mean, we were hoping, I, I think Tyler was hoping that, you know, we were getting the white and it ended up going another, you know, green, white checker because of that. It screwed him. It screwed him. All right, let's move on to Homestead. Wednesday open. David, P15. Yeah, with my I rating plunge, I was car 30 in this one and still just kind of a mid-pack driver. I feel like I've lost a step, but it was a slappy race. Uh, I took the wrong coin flip on the last caution, trying to save a set of tires, and then we ran green, which made a few people finish ahead of me that probably wouldn't have, but uh, still it was... Uh, managed to stay out of the wrecks and so it was good to just kind of get through a race without any stupidness 
All right, Tyler P14. Too many cautions. Had one decent green flag run, which helped the car set. Worked the high line most of the race. Was able to race with teammate Kyle for a good bit. Always a good time with the team. Uh, Kyle ran. I don't know where he finished. Uh, Steven uh, got uh, Steve. You got a P2. Yeah, I didn't qualify. I started 20th, and then there was like six quick cautions, and then we had a green flag run for 54 laps. I was I, I was second, and somebody went in. I don't know how he did it, but he ended up on fresh tires or something. I don't know, and he came out and passed me for second place. And so I was in third place. I was fine with it till the caution came out. And then it, I went in for tires and it was a green, white, checkered restart. And uh, there was a bunch of guys that stayed out because they had, they had pr probably got tires like 10 or 15 laps, 20 laps before that. I don't know, but it just kind of, it just opened up and I, I hauled ass. And uh, the first and second place cars, they were battling, they were banging back and forth. So I just kind of sat back to watch them. And the first place guy ended up running the second place guy out into the into the back stretch. And when he did that, then I, did, I took second place and I almost beat the, the first place guy. It was like, I don't know, maybe a foot, but it was a fun race. Oh, you got some great finishes you've stacked up here. Yeah, you guys are helping me a lot, you know, racing out here in the open. It's totally different than doing any league racing, that's for sure. It's a different animal, for sure. All right, so this might have been maybe my worst race ever. I was not pleased. Lap one, I got loose and spun out all by myself. People wrecking all around me because of it. I didn't have any damage. Ended up restarting 13th got up to about laps uh, 17 i got loose again and it completely destroyed the car i walked out of there embarrassed i caused the first two cautions i wrecked a bunch of people uh basically i popped a set in that i hadn't practiced i had practiced with the set i ended up going with a different set at the last minute which usually i have no problem doing i'm it, I, you know i'm easy running other people's stuff but um it didn't agree with me apparently you know what you need some sim 3d pedal rumble kit on my list now all right then thursday open today i ran p18 of course i reverted to the old set that I've actually practiced with Tuesday night in AI ended up P18 my goal to finish the race and I did do that I did manage my goal I did run as high as eight the people uh, <clears throat> who pitted on the first caution at lap six could actually make it on one more stop I couldn't believe it so I had lost a race last week because of you know pitting on lap 12 uh would have made it the same situation where you can make it on one more and so this week i'm thinking about that but i'm thinking man lap six it's too soon they can't make it from here on one they need to make it to like at least lap 10 or 11 so i'm thinking eh, i'm gonna stay i'm gonna stay out well sure enough it stayed green and these guys got a, a one up on everybody the guys that had popped off on that that uh lap six uh, caution and by saving fuel they were able to make it so that kind of put me back in the running order because i wasn't one of those people i was a lap down i ended up taking a wave around at one point uh but yeah didn't have anything else p18 
Donnie, you ran with me on a rare Thursday afternoon, P7. Yeah, P7. Um, I used the same uh, set you did. I didn't get uh, any practice with this car this week. Um, so just going for it. Um, I think I took the, the 10 clicks out David had mentioned on, on one of them. But uh, yeah, good middle and long run speed. It was fine. I believe it was uneventful for the most part. Um, I think we had a couple cautions. Uh, but we just had lappers all race, uh, racing like their life depended on it. Uh, I hate saying uh, move out of the way, whatnot, if you're a lap car, but I mean, they would race you, they would cut your nose off, they would they would run you up into the wall, and I don't know if it was them not being able to control the car or what, but it was just annoying. And then obviously, you burns your tires out when you're trying to get around them, work a little harder, but that is racing, I guess. Uh, but other than that, uh, it's my highest finishing um, position in the NIS series so far, so I'll take it. You weren't going to burn out any. You weren't going to burn out your tires if you went ten clicks. Let's talk about ten clicks. I mean, I, David, you had put in the chat, do this and that to the set on your first pit stop, and 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 so I was telling Steve. Steve was in a practice. I wasn't in the car. You already I'm looking said at the it. chat. The thing. I got to interrupt you. You already said it wrong. That's the that's the problem. <laughs> I didn't say. Well, dude. what happened? Well, you, I, you said like do you know do ten clicks out of the left or, or this to, to the right, and I was telling Steve this, and Steve, you just did it. You just put in the changes and you stopped and you went out there and ran it, and you're like, it's loose, loose, loose. <laughs> it was loose as hell. I was I was thinking if if uh, they're if their cars are getting this tight, I must be driving like really bad or slow or something. If they need to loosen up this much to get around the track, so Basically, apparently David, one click was the answer, right? Not ten. Well, no. One of the instructions was for the garage. The other ten in the garage for the pit stop. Ten in the garage. One in the one on the track. Oh, I see. And you just, you just, uh, I just blew it. Failed, failed to read the instructions correctly, as uh, as the teacher says. <laughs> well, we know Steve can drive a loose car. All did right, you get other a chance, racing. I'm sorry, did you get a chance to undo it? Oh, yeah. yeah. You had to undo it and put it back. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I ran about 30 laps and I went in and did it because it never got any better. All right. Other racing, I ran Chris McGuire hosted supercars at Michigan. It was a great race. I missed the big wreck, ended up P5. And these these races, there's like a big old pack of cars. At some point in that first few laps, half or most of the cars will wreck out. And if you're one of the few that remain, you can race it out for the win. So that was pretty fun. Then I ran official Skip Barber at Sonoma. I got clipped from a wreck in lap one. I had to pit for a meatball flag to get my fast repair and I came out ninth out of 11. I actually worked my way back up to P5. My fastest lap was pretty quick for me, but I'm still three seconds off the leader. Wow. And with that, we'll jump to final thoughts. Brian McCubbin. Uh, so yeah, I had a had a rough date. I was trying to race with you and Tyler Sunday night. Um, everything was fine when I was in the practice session. And then when I jumped into the race, my my ping went through the roof, and uh, everybody was telling me that uh, I was you know jumping all over the place. But usually when you have a bad bad signal like that, usually you see the other cars like disappear off the track as you're losing connection. But I didn't see any of that. The the cars looked fine. It's just they could not. My car was bouncing all over the place. Um, I 
tried to reset it and everything. Uh, I actually jumped out of the race and hopped back in under yellow and, uh, and it did the same thing. And at the same time, my uh, team speed was working because I was able to talk to you and Tyler. Everything was working. For some reason, it was just the, the iRacing that was causing a problem. And it, now that I hear Greg's story that, you know, he didn't have any other problems on, with his Internet, just with the iRacing, I'm wondering if there's not something going on like that. I mean, I know my Internet's been kind of goofy to begin with, but this seemed like seemed like it was something with iRacing because I wasn't having any other issues. So I don't know. I haven't tried it yet since. Then, so we'll try it again this weekend. Try to get a get a good good run in, and we'll go from there. Yeah, that's really hard to swallow. Because what can you do about it? You know, nothing, nothing at all. <laughs> all right, David Hall, final thoughts. Yeah, good to be back. Marching season's almost over. Uh, we just do, we have a couple of games left. We're done with contests, and so things will slow down a little bit. I'll get a little bit more racing in. Of course, now uh, gigs and things are kicking in. COVID's finally, at least in this area, not shutting anything down. So everything's full swing. Uh, uh, so I'll be in and out depending on whether I not have any gigs. Uh, racing wise, I definitely am in in a big slump. I dropped all the way to thirty two hundred. Some of it from just just not having good finishes. Some of it from bad luck. Uh, and it's all been going downhill since I choked away that Bristol race. So. Uh, hopefully I can get out of this funk. I've climbed back up a little at Miami with a few good finishes. We'll see. All right. Season's almost over. Donnie Spiker. Yeah. Season might be over for me. I think I ran my last B race of the season. Um, and my last NIS race this week, I have, uh, I go uh, radio silent tomorrow. I, without cell reception till Sunday night. And I got a busy week next week. And then the following week, I'm traveling out to your neck of the woods for the championship weekend. Uh, but I'm looking forward to uh, getting off the oval and, and hitting the road series. I, I plan on doing a couple of those, and I'm looking forward to that. All right, very good. Greg Cactus, final thoughts. Uh, just about to get. Oops, sorry, just about to get ready here for a league race. Um, found out that my league race uh, over the winter time that I run normally on Thursday nights is moving to Monday nights. So that's going to be a conflict of interest of what we. Uh, signed up for the winter series uh, this fall, so I'm going to have to drop my uh, road racing for the uh, winter series. So I look forward to doing the winter series uh, with everybody here, get the last couple weekends of racing out of the way, and uh, go from there. But uh, I'm pretty bummed about uh, having a really good setup and a good, really good race. I mean, Mike, me and you raced really well the other night on Friday, and to have that server drop me on a green white checker was probably it was really hard to swallow for the for the night but yeah shit happens you had that race one greg for sure all right steve thompson final thoughts yeah i just want to thank all you guys for having me here having me on the podcast and helping me figure out how to race out in the wild open um you guys have all been a great great help and great support and you know, I don't know how any of this stuff works. So my my goal is to try to get up to like 2200, so I can race with some of some of you guys in 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 the in the next uh, next year's races. So I'm gonna work on that over the winter, and uh, I'm looking forward to racing in the winter series with you guys doing a league race. So I appreciate appreciate you guys, and thanks for having me. Yeah, the winter league uh, is going to be. On Monday nights, and Steve and Donnie are joining the regular crew there. It's going to be a lot of fun. 
All right, Tony Gross, final thoughts. Well, I had uh, some kind of bad news. Lisa came to me uh, a couple weeks ago and let me know that she is just not enjoying iRacing and she doesn't she doesn't like the the pressure she feels she has um racing against other people um so that part kind of sucks um i mean she's still we're still going to do some racing and stuff but the good news to that is she had the uh better video card in her computer for running triples so i quickly stole that and stuck that into my computer so you know silver linings everywhere else um other than that, uh, well, racing that has not been on on my plate, unfortunately. I've just been uh, too darn busy. Got a promotion at work, so that's been taking up a lot of time. But I'm kind of liking the uh, sounds of that uh, the the winter NIS series. Um, I don't race those cars very often, and and would like to do a lot more of that. So that looks like a great excuse to um, fulfill that need or fulfill that want. So hopefully, we can get some. Uh, some sets happening and uh i'll do my best to do some racing with you mike i yeah, think the that, question is you know are we going to lose our rating or gain it you know <laughs> i think that's how she suckered you into marrying her by racing with you and now she give it up that, that could have been it that could have been it although i did just send her a link to those uh those pedal uh rumble things there so um that might help smooth over you know um my hurt feelings for her quitting eye racing has she tried ai yeah no yeah. pressure ai well see here's the thing though like with ai then we got to rent the we got to rent the room um if we want to race together so we still have nascar heat and you know it's it's not the sim it's a game but um we can either race it on the on the rigs or just up on the couch still have a great time doing that so it's something all right uh my final thoughts wow you know after winning three times this year this year and the nis open including charlotte roval bristol dirt you you think i might know what i'm doing but boy, i raced that race wednesday night and i look like an amateur out there i mean first two cautions was me i ran away with my tail between my legs as they say but uh, it's a humbling sport, you know, that you can run so good one week and and then you go on down the schedule and you're at the next event and you're just crap. But, uh, you know, I always said if it was easy, nobody would do it. So uh, maybe that's what we're doing. That's why we're all here. So with that, hey, we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.